Like I said, I hope you have your Bibles. And go ahead and open with me to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. We're going to be looking at verses 11 through verse 17 this morning. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 11 through 17. And this morning, as we think about, as we have been studying 1 Peter, and we think about uh, Christians who are going through a difficult time, Christians who are facing difficulties, this morning, uh, the title of our lesson, uh, I suppose if, if you're keeping notes and you would like a title, is Christian Living, Doing Good. Christian Living, and then doing good. As we've been talking the last few weeks, and as we keep in mind from 1 Peter chapter 2, that we as Christians, we are God's own special people, keeping in mind that we are to proclaim the praises of God, keeping in mind that once we were not a people and had not obtained mercy, but now we are God's people and we have obtained mercy with those things in mind remembering that we are God's people and that he has extended his mercy to us. With those things in mind, I'd like us now to consider 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11 and verse 12. And as we think about being God's own special people, and as we think about doing good, our first point this morning will be doing good by living differently. Doing good by living differently. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11 through verse 12. If you would, read with me. Peter writes by inspiration. He says, Beloved, I beg you, as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. Notice, first of all, as we think about doing good by living differently. First, notice as Peter is writing to the Christians here, that how he refers to them. He says, Beloved. As this section on Christian living begins, Peter, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, reminds his readers that he loves them dearly. They are beloved. The word love simply, beloved simply means to love dearly, to hold dear. During difficult times, such as what we are experiencing now, we would do well to remind each other of our love for one another, to remind each other that we are dear to one another. We are very important to one another. As we think about living as Christians and living as God's own special people by doing good, Peter reminds them that he loves them, that they are dear to him, just as we are dear and loved by one another, and we are dear to one another. So he talks about, here is how he refers to them. And then he goes on in the next place, as this passage continues, here is how, as Christians, we need to think of ourselves. He says, as sojourners, or as foreigners, and pilgrims, or exiles. Peter refers to Christians as sojourners, as foreigners, as pilgrims, as exiles. And we think about those words. A sojourner, or a foreigner, 
feels out of place and they're uncomfortable while they are away from their homeland. An exile is someone who dearly misses their home and they long to return to their homeland. There are some similarities in the words, but they're a little bit different. You think about if you've ever traveled to a place that's perhaps foreign to you. Maybe you've never been out of the country, but perhaps you've traveled to faraway places in the country, and it's different. And while you're there, maybe it's nice in some ways, but it just it doesn't feel like home. That's the idea, feeling out of place, feeling uncomfortable while you are away from your homeland. An exile, usually the thought there is someone who they are living in a place that is not their home, and they would much rather be back home. Exiles are sometimes there because they're driven out of their home. They're sometimes in foreign countries because they've been forced to live somewhere else. But it's the point of we're living somewhere else and we long to be back in our homeland. The Bible tells us in Philippians chapter 3 verse 20, Philippians chapter 3 verse 20, that a Christian's citizenship is in heaven. Philippians 3 verse 20, Paul says by inspiration, writing to Christians, for our citizenship is in heaven. So, as we think about that, as Christians, we ought to feel out of place and uncomfortable in this world. We ought to long for heaven, our home where God lives. One of the greatest problems that faces the Lord's church today is that all too often we feel perfectly at home and comfortable in this world. And so because we feel perfectly at home and we feel comfortable in this world, we have no longing whatsoever for heaven. For a Christian, it's not to say that this life can't be a time of you know having things that we enjoy, but as a Christian... This world does not need to feel like home to us because our citizenship is in heaven where God is. We ought to feel uncomfortable and out of place in this world. We ought to long for our homeland and that place is heaven. That place is being with God. So Peter refers to these Christians as beloved. Think of one another as dear to each other. And then as we think about ourselves, so we need to love one another and think about how dear we are to each other. And as we think about ourselves, we need to think about ourselves as sojourners or as foreigners, as exiles. We are not to uh, we are not to get so comfortable with this world that we no longer care about and long for heaven. So and then after he's talked about how he has referred to Christians as loved. He has talked about how as Christians we need to think of ourselves. He then goes on and he says, here then is what we must do as Christians. As we think about doing good by living differently, we're in a different place. We're in a place where we should not necessarily feel comfortable. Now as we live here, here is how we must live differently. He says, Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust which war against the soul, having your conduct honorable 
among the Gentiles. Notice that he's implying here that those who are not foreigners and those who are not exiles in this world do not abstain from fleshly lust. Why? Well, because that is what is done in this world to feel comfortable and to feel like you belong in this world. You know the mentality of, I like it, it makes me feel good. How could something that feels so right be wrong? That mentality of doing what I want because I like it, it makes me feel good, those fleshly lusts. He says, as people who are just passing through, as people who this is not our ultimate home, but we're longing for that country where our citizenship is, we're longing for heaven, abstain from the things that would cause you to feel too comfortable in this world and forget about heaven. The alarming thing, as Peter says, about not keeping ourselves from these fleshly lusts is that they are actually doing battle against our souls. They wage war against our souls. They do not fight on our side. Instead, they fight on the side opposed to us. And in partaking of those things, in doing those things, it's as if it's as if we are entering a war and entering a battle and fighting on the side that is against us. We're fighting on the side that is trying to defeat us when we do these things, when we do not abstain from fleshly lust. We are fighting against ourselves, doing war against that which fights against our souls. As Christians, we must keep ourselves from these fleshly lusts, from these fleshly desires, because we realize that giving into them could very well cause us to lose the war for our souls, could very well cause us to miss out on our homeland. See, it goes back to Remember that you are just passing through. Remember that you're not supposed to get too comfortable here, so don't start partaking in all of these sinful fleshly lusts because that will cause you to become too comfortable and you will miss out on your home, on being with God. A Christian's conduct, a Christian's way of life must be, as the text says, honorable or beautiful or good among the Gentiles, among non-Christians. And notice then that the Christian life, it's not just a matter of don't do this, but it's also, along with you don't need to do these things, it also is do this. Don't give yourselves over to fleshly lusts. Abstain from those things. Stay away from those things. Keep yourself from those things. But do live an honorable and good and beautiful life. Do live that kind of life. Don't live a life that is giving into and partaking of these fleshly lusts and desires. And so he says, here's how he refers to Christians as beloved, and that we need to think of ourselves as foreigners, as pilgrims, as strangers, as exiles in this world. And as we live this life, here is what we must do. We must keep ourselves from those things that wage war against our souls, that distract us 
from the place that we have our citizenship that distract us from home and instead live a life that is honorable, that is good, that is beautiful among everyone, including those who are not Christians. And what's the result of living this life? What's the result of doing good by living differently? Verse 12 finishes, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. Sometimes, even when Christians live honorably, live good, live beautiful lives among non-Christians, sometimes we still may be spoken against as evildoers. Why? Well, let's think about it this way, and maybe it'll start making a little bit more sense. Remembering that we are supposed to be living a life as sojourners, as pilgrims, as foreigners, as exiles in this world. Do foreigners ever get spoken against in this country simply because they are different and do some things differently? I've lived in this country long enough to know that, yes, Sometimes foreigners are spoken against just because they are different and because they do some things differently. Why would it be any different for Christians who this very text that we are studying says that you are a foreigner, you are a pilgrim, we are exiles, we are just passing through this world. So when we realize that and say, you know, sometimes foreigners here, even in this country, are looked down upon, are spoken against just because they're different, just because they do some things differently. As Christians, then, when we think about then the spiritual side of this, the spiritual application, why would it be any different? Sometimes, just because we are different and not like the world, we are spoken against. So, with that in mind, we are to live an honorable life, a good life, a beautiful life, which includes doing good works, so that, the text says, God will be glorified in the day of visitation. Place your marker there in 1 Peter chapter 2, and turn back with me to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, what Peter says here, reminds me of what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 5, verse 10 through verse 16. Matthew 5, 10 through 16, Jesus said this, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you, and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Does this sound a little bit like what Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 2? Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket or under a bushel, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men 
that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. When we think about living a life that is honorable among the world, honorable among those who are not Christians, Jesus said this very thing. You are the light of the world. Let your light so shine, even when you face persecution, even when they speak out against you, even when they revile you and say all kinds of false things about you. Let your light so shine that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. It's important to live for God and to let our light shine by doing good works because as 2 Corinthians 5.10 tells us, everyone will stand before God in judgment and everyone will be judged by what they have done in this life. A Christian's good works observed by the non-Christian, will glorify God on the day of judgment. Have you noticed, just in these two verses, have you noticed how often our attention has been turned to thinking about heaven, to thinking about where our citizenship is, to thinking about eternity? It's very interesting that Peter, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, as he is writing this section, that we do good by living differently, he reminds us over and over again, remember, you are a foreigner here. Remember, you are just passing through this world. Remember that your mind is to be focused upon your home. You are to be longing for home. Therefore, live a life that glorifies God among everyone. So first of all, these first two verses, as we think about Christian living, doing good, Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11 and 12, we are to do good by living differently in this world. Not living like the world, but living differently. Second, this morning, and this will be our, there will only be Really, two main points if you're taking notes. This is the second one. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13 through 17. Doing good by submitting to government. Doing good by submitting to government. Start reading with me in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13. Therefore, therefore, based on what he has just been talking about, living a different kind of life, Therefore, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme, or to governors as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers, and for the praise of those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, as free, yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bondservants of God, honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. So therefore, in light of the fact that Christians are strangers and pilgrims in this world, that we are just foreigners passing through, 
And, and in light of the fact that we are to keep ourselves from fleshly lust, and that we are to live an honorable life full of good works for the glory of God, therefore, submit yourselves, or render obedience to every ordinance, to every institution of man for the Lord's sake. First of all, as we think about this, we know from Acts chapter 5, verse 29, when the apostle said we ought to obey God rather than men. First of all, the laws of man, the institutions, the ordinances of man, do not trump the law of God. So, if the, if the two are in conflict with one another, if the law of man is in conflict with the law of God, then as Christians, we must obey God above all else. Acts 5 verse 29. So, with that being laid down first, we understand that. However, if the laws of man do not conflict with the law of God, then as Christians, we must obey whatever that law is. And Peter says, we do this for the Lord's sake. It's very interesting as we study through the New Testament, as you may read through the scriptures, even though Christians suffered mightily at the hands of the Roman Empire, not a single breath of rebellion or revolt against the Roman Empire exists in all the New Testament. The only time that we read of Christians refusing to submit was in cases where the government ordered them to turn against God, to disobey God, to renounce God. No other instance in Scripture do we read of Christians rebelling or revolting or refusing to submit to human governments. And Peter talks about kings, he says, and governors. This shows that this command to submit ourselves to ordinances of men, to institutions of men, applies to all the different levels of government. The king at the time Peter was writing this, was a man by the name of Nero. He was emperor. He was a wicked, evil, perverted man. He was a man who, his morals would make many politicians today look like good people. Nero, if you ever want to do some research on your own time, do a little bit of research on Emperor Nero. This was a terribly wicked, evil, perverted individual. And Peter here is telling them to even submit to him. We submit to kings, to governors, to rulers, to government, because we want to be seen as those who do good and not as those who do evil. Remember, as he's already talked about, live a good, beautiful, honorable life so that they may observe your good works and give glory to God. If we are living a life that is not good, that is not honorable, that is not beautiful, that is not submitting ourselves to every ordinance of man, non-Christians will look at that life and say, that's not good. 
That's not honorable. And God will not be glorified in our actions. We live this life to glorify God. And God says, in submitting yourselves to every ordinance of man, you glorify me. Peter goes on, and he says something highly significant. He says in verse 15, For this is the will of God. I say that's significant because that phrase appears only three times in the New Testament. 1 Thessalonians 4.3 is one of those. It says, For this is the will of God, writing to Christians, your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication. This is the will of God, 1 Thessalonians 4.3, your sanctification, that you are set apart. All right, 1 Thessalonians 5.18, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, and then here in 1 Peter 2.15, this is the third time that this phrase is used. And this is significant. This, you know, often we pray, don't we? We often will pray that God's will be done. And we pray that what we do is pleasing and in accordance with the will of God. God tells us expressly, here are three things that is, that is my will. This is what I will that you do. Be sanctified. Keep yourself separate. Do not engage in fornication. This is God's will, that you give thanks in everything. And then this is God's will, that in submitting to government, that you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Christians who refuse to submit themselves to every institution of man for the Lord's sake Act in opposition to the will of God. Christians who refuse to submit themselves to every institution of man for the Lord's sake, as the passage goes on, that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men as free, yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bondservants of God. Christians who refuse to do this are not living as bondservants of God. So, according to our text here, why? Why must we as Christians do good by submitting to the government? Why must we live in this way? Our text tells us. So that by doing good, by living an honorable life, and, and by the way, doing good, is And living an honorable life, doing good, includes submitting to government. So that by doing good, foolish men, these would be non-Christians who speak against Christians as evildoers, so that by doing good, foolish men may be put to silence. They may be shown that what they are saying is worthless. We live in this way so that those who speak against Christians, and ultimately, if they're speaking against Christians, they're speaking against Jesus Christ. We live in this way so that those who speak against us and our Lord will be put to silence and shown to be foolish. Yes, the text says, we are free in Christ. But freedom in Jesus Christ does not mean that we are free to live any way we want to live. 
Christians are free. And our text has said, but don't use that liberty, as we've already seen, to engage in fleshly lust. We must keep ourselves from that. Christians are free, yes, but don't use that liberty to refuse to submit to government. We are free in Jesus Christ. Therefore, the text says in verse 16, live as God's bondservant. Live as one who has willingly bound himself to serving God. So we think about our lesson this morning, and as we have considered our text, we are to, as we think about Christian living, we are to do good by living differently. We are strangers, pilgrims, foreigners traveling through this world, and we are to be living differently than the world. Also, we are to do good by submitting to government. And in both of these things, in living differently from the rest of the world and in submitting to government, the point is God is glorified when you do this. And so then verse 17, as we draw these things to a close this morning, verse 17 essentially is God's summary of Christian living by doing good. He says, honor all people, honor, value everyone. Love the brotherhood, and this is the highest form of love, a self-sacrificing kind of love, seeking what is best for one another. Love your brothers and sisters in Christ with a love that makes deep sacrifices for one another. Fear God. And this word for fear, it's, it's difficult to really maybe fully explain what it means, but it is a deep reverence, and it includes... Fear, in fact, the word here, if you've ever heard of a phobia, that's where this word came from, this word here for fear. It is being afraid. It does include some fear and reverence and respect. Why would God use this word? Perhaps because Christians who truly fear, who truly reverence God, will treat the world their brethren, and their rulers in the way that God has commanded. That's, I guess, one side of the coin. The other side of the coin, perhaps God uses this word, fear, because Christians who do not treat the world, who do not treat their brethren, who do not treat their rulers in the way God has commanded, ought to be terrified of God. And then, he says at the end of verse 17, honor value the king. Just as we honor all people, the king, the rulers, are not excluded from that. Honor, value those who rule over you. Christians, the way that we live our life matters. And it matters because by doing good, by living differently from the world, by submitting to government, We bring glory to God. I appreciate your good attention this morning. I thank you for for following through the Word of God with us. I hope this has been encouraging to you. I hope it's been uplifting to you. Uh, I would encourage you to think about these passages. Uh, If you realize that in living the Christian life, that you have not been 
uh, doing good by living differently, or you have not been doing good by submitting to government, then consider what God says in this passage. Don't, don't take my word for it. Look at what God has said. And if you need to repent of sin, if you need to make changes in your life, then do it not based on what I have said, but do it based on what God has said. As Christians, it matters how we live. If you're not a Christian, uh, the Bible lays out very plainly what one must do. Uh, living the Christian life is the most wonderful life you can live. It is a life that gives you purpose and meaning as you go down this road. It helps you to face the difficult days, but living the Christian life is not an easy life. There are difficulties in living the Christian life, but it will give you meaning and purpose in your life. The Bible very simply teaches that in order to become a Christian, we must believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, that he lived a perfect, sinless life, that he died on the cross for our sins, that he was buried and rose again the third day and is now sitting at the right hand of God. Becoming a Christian, believes him to, you must believe him to be the Lord and Christ. You must be willing to repent of your sins Confess that he is the Christ, let others know that you believe this, and then be baptized, be immersed in water for the forgiveness of your sins, Acts chapter 2. I appreciate your attention this morning. If you do have any questions about anything, if there is anything uh, that I can help to answer, uh, perhaps show you an answer uh, from the Word of God, I'll be glad to do that. appreciate everyone watching. Uh, we love you. Uh, we miss you. Uh, we long to be back together again, and, and hopefully, uh, Lord willing, time goes on, we will be able to be back together once again. God bless you, and take care.